Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this podcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is for customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 20 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro, as is the other money doctor in the house. Absolutely. And uh, I've got an MBA in finance and been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. We're excited to have you listen to us on our show today. Um, we have our podcast up every week now exclusively on Friday afternoon, so you can find us there. Our new show right off our website, moneymd.net, or you can pick us up on iTunes. That's the purple mm-hmm. app on your iPhone. Just search the MoneyMD, and yeah. we're right there. Make it easy. Yeah, you can also go to our website. We have a link in the right-hand corner about midway down the page that says podcast, and we... Uh, have uh, linked up with a company called Podbean. Um, daughter helped us a couple years ago get that set up, and uh, pretty easy to listen to. We have them categorized, and uh, just make it easy to listen to the Money Doctors. You can sit at your computer and listen to it, or take us take us on a trip. There you go. Pick up all the old shows right That's there. That's right. Can, I mean, there are dozens and dozens of shows out there, and you can reach us directly by email. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at moneymd.net or link to us on our website, moneymd.net. Well, John, I think we have a great show again lined up for today. Um, you know, we're going to talk about something we, we've never talked about before, and that's home security mistakes. Mm-hmm. Because that's a big part of protecting what you have. I mean, your home and your, your valuables in your home are a big part of your assets, and it's also a part of your just peace of mind. Um, so we're going to talk about how to protect those things and, and what makes you a prime target and how to avoid it. Yeah, that's good. I really like some of these tips on here. I was kind of thinking uh, through we may have to change some of our tactics yep, at our yep, house. I found some <clears throat> things that, that made me think twice as well. Yeah, so very good. And we're going to follow that up with something we do talk about occasionally is 401k loans. And, you know, this actually dives pretty deep into the reasons – why you shouldn't do 401k loans. Uh, there's some people that right. you know may disagree with that, but in general, it can be a very risky proposition. So we're going to dive into that and go into some detail today on that. Yeah, that's a good topic. Okay, well, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. This comes from the S&P Dow Jones uh, indices and uh, talks about technology companies and their average revenue um, from foreign sales is 59%. So think about the apples of the world. Um, it makes sense that they would have a lot of their sales outside the United States, right? Because a lot yep. of people have have iPhones and so forth. But you know, for the average company, it's much much lower than that. They do most of their business within the United States. Um, but technology is a little different. It's something that can transfer. More global. It's more global. Very easy to dis- distribute your product and so forth. Um, but technology does have that advantage. Most companies don't uh, aren't able to get outside the United States. They're focused on these consumers, maybe up in Canada as well. So uh, it's just kind of an interesting. We 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 do recommend you know the international side um, invest, and you got to make sure you're properly diversified. 
Um, but uh, this was just interesting. Technology, and it makes sense. Apple's a great example. You can take an iPhone and sell a lot of them over in, in Europe yeah. without any issues. <clears throat> but the point I would make is don't think just because you're invested in global companies that you have the proper amount of international exposure. That's right. That can because, be dangerous. Because they still follow the U.S. market if they're U.S. companies. You know, you need global exposure directly by owning mm-hmm. international stocks. So I'll just give that clarification. Good so good fact of the week. Okay, and that, that makes brings us up to our first topic, and that is home security mistakes that make you a prime target. Yeah, I mean, being savvy with your money and protecting what you have uh, – is is important that is a big part of being savvy with your money we often talk about ways to avoid scams and protecting your hard-earned money so now we're going to discuss a little bit about how to avoid losing your stuff to a home burglary which is a scary thought to me that, mm-hmm. that always makes me worried because we kind of live out of town a little bit um, but yeah this comes out of bottom line personal a uh, great article they have here and 25 years ago though john you know, we moved out into the country a little bit, a little bit out of town on a five-acre track with woods all around us. And one of my biggest fears was being the victim of a break-in or something worse. And although, you know, every house around us has been broken into really over the years or had items stolen from their property since we've been there, I'm pleased to say we've never really been a victim of that kind of crime, of a break-in or, or people stealing stuff. Um, however, I must admit, I still worry about it all the time. I mean, we simply kind of seem like the prime targets to me. So I'm a little bit, ex- a little bit extreme when it comes to home security. <laughs> you got landmines out there? <laughs> Not yet. But I've considered it, you know. <laughs> Maybe, right? No, I mean, yeah, I mean, we do have the alarm system. You know, we have a video surveillance system. We have the fake TV, you know, motion detector lights, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I'm... I'm always thinking about, you know, this kind of stuff. You need to put a sign in the front yard that says landmines, be careful. There you go, you know. uh, I mean, they have some great ideas here, though. I mean, but it's paid off. Our neighbors can attest, you know, that we've we've never been the victims of a break-in, but a lot of them have. But as I read this list, I have to also admit that I've made some mistakes, you know, and I'm making some mistakes. This is a great list because every year over 2 million homes are violated by burglars. Wow. You know, that's a burglary every 15 seconds. And to get to the real scoop on how to protect your home, they asked some of the best resources. They asked a reformed burglar for this article. Just happened again. It did, yeah, that quick, that quick, (laughs) 15 15 seconds, there you go, there are going to be a lot of them during this show. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this former burglar, he stole over $70 million worth of jewelry during his career. He spent over 11 years in prison for doing so, so here are some of the mistakes that he says that people make most often that lead to to home burglaries. Yeah, and mistake number one is leaving the burglar alarm off when you're running out for a couple of minutes. I mean, nearly all the houses robbed, they have expensive alarm systems, and more than half the time, the alarms aren't even turned on. So, you know, sophisticated burglars, they watch neighborhoods, they learn when residents uh, go to work or run errands, how long they're likely to be uh, away, and then, you know, they're ready to move in the minute that you leave. So take the time to set your alarm no matter how long you're planning to be out. It only takes, you know, five minutes to rob any house once the burglar's in there. So, you know, if you have a burglar alarm, you know, turn it turn it on. I remember growing up, yeah, we didn't even lock the front door. <laughs> right. Yeah, it <laughs> Today, it's totally crazy. different. Yeah, you've you got to turn that burglar alarm yes, on. That's definitely. It's tempting when you're just going to run down the street. But, you know, <clears throat> if they're watching, yeah, it doesn't take very long at all. Yeah, mistake number two here is posting 
detailed alarm signs. I would have never thought about that. No, you I see this, either. you know, yeah. protected by ADT all the mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. around your house. Well, when you post a sign that identifies the alarm company, you've just given the burglar the information he needs to disable the alarm. Hmm. Um, a sophisticated burglar. All the burglar has to do is buy a diagram of how that particular system is wired. Also, many homeowners ne- neglect to remove the default administrative codes on their system. So once an experienced burglar sees what system you have, they'll know what codes to try. Um, furthermore, they will know the typical features of the system and how to defeat it. So it's better to buy a generic sign from a home supply store that simply reads, this house is protected by an alarm system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a great point. That is good. I've to, we, never we, thought about that. I have to make that change. No kidding. All right, next one here on the list is hiding valuables in the bedroom. Well, yeah, I guess I've done that too. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you think, well, I'll just hide it up here in the closet, right? Well... Yeah, it's the first place burglars look. They first they look in the underwear drawer. They look under the mattress. They look in the in the closet on a high shelf, etc. So yeah, the people out there listening, you can go move that stuff right now because we know you got stuff there. <laughs> That's right. And so does every burglar. I mean, keep money or jewelry you rarely wear in a safety deposit box. Hide other valuables places where burglars won't think to look, like in the garage, for example, or above removable ceiling tiles um hide uh or you can hide valuables in the freezer or in a fake soup can for this purchase yeah my brother he's a DA agent just as a quick aside he says when they break into it when they when they bust down a door to go look for cash that druggies are storing they always look in the freezer Hmm. and they always look in a big block of frozen ice if there's a block of frozen something in there, something's in it. they they know something's in there. People freeze they, those druggies. They think about this stuff. They freeze it in a block of ice. Wow. There you go. Pretty interesting. Yeah, so if you have uh, silver coins or gold coins, you, you may need to have a good safe. Burglars will break in for a quick $200 grab of jewelry. Um, jewelry so they, they certainly will go to extremes for thousands of dollars with items like precious metals. If you have items that won't fit in a fake suit can, then buy a safe that weighs hundreds of pounds and place it in a not easy to spot place like in a utility room disguised as a cabinet. You know, if they find the safe, that's bad since they will know it has your valuables in it and they'll try very hard to open it to carry it off or they may even wait till someone come, comes home to open it for them. Mm. which uh, may be even worse. They, and they may come back with yeah. better tools. So that's not a good situation. So if you get a safe, make darn sure they don't mm. find it. That's good. That's good. Mistake number four is, um, you know, thinking a big dog is going to protect you. Um, 100-pound Rottweiler, German Shepherd might look scary, probably is. But, you know, burglars, you know, they know better. I mean, most big breeds, unless they're trained as guard dogs, they don't bark. I mean, they can be bought off with a cheeseburger. Yeah. You know, no throw it over to the side, throw it outside, whatever. What you want is yappers, small dogs that make a lot of noise and are unrelenting. Breeds such as chihuahuas are better deterrents than, uh, than larger dogs. So, you know, if a dog is going to be effective, then it needs to have the, the run of the house. Locking them in a crate, in the utility room, it's not going to do much to deter a burglar. And uh, also, it's often not obvious that you have a dog until the burglar is already 
in the house unless the dog has free reign. So um, one of the things that we do is we put on some signs posted out there that beware of the dogs. That's a good one, yeah. You know, that may not scare everybody off, but it does let let them know that there's yep. another obstacle at least uh, to get through. That's right, and I think they mentioned it down here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. they say a video surveillance system is a much better deterrent, actually, than a dog. Burglars hate getting their picture taken. They just hate it. Outside cameras, even a fake camera, will deter most burglars before they even get close enough to see if anything, anyone is at home. Um, you know, this will be one of the first things they look for when they're approaching a house and make sure that they're reasonably big and they're visible from all angles of the house. Yeah, we have a sign out front that says, if you can read this sign, you're being watched. <laughs> right. That's a great one. I like it. Yeah, I've seen that one before. I think pulled in your house. <laughs> yes, you have. Yeah, so that's a good one. All right, mistake number five here is hiding windows with landscaping. Tall bushes, shrubs allow burglars to jimmy windows without being seen. Yeah, so keep all the bushes trimmed to below the window level. And don't count on thorny plants to prevent entry. I mean, professional thieves, they routinely wear gloves. They wear two layers of clothes. They carry cutting tools to remove any thorny obstacles that may get in their way. Also, I mean, burglars are lazy. You know, <laughs> they're, they're likely coming in through a door. They're probably not even coming in through a window. It's, it's just easier. And most doors can be easily opened with the smallest of crowbars. So the most common entry point is the French patio doors in the back. Make sure they can see a camera and a motion detector from that point, even if they're fake. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Number six here is leaving the lights on. That's kind of surprising. A light that stays on all the time is no more of a deterrent than a, than a dark house. In fact, it, it could help burglars see once they're inside. So it's much better to use timers that turn lights on and off in different parts of the house at different intervals and you know electronics and home improvement stores they sell motion detectors that turn on lights or appliances if someone enters a house cost is about 20 bucks you know each um, but start with outside motion detectors that turn on floodlights and then have indoor lights on timers I mean the fake TV uh, LED lights are also very effective at night in making someone appear that they're 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 at home can also leave a radio on, um, tune in maybe to a talk station while you're away so that anyone who approaches the home will think someone's inside. Yeah, so that's, that's another that, good one. Those are really good points. Yeah, next one here is having a newspaper and mail delivery stopped when you're <clears> away. <throat> um, you may trust your mail and newspaper carrier, but the fact is that you don't know who else is getting that information. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. So keep your plans quiet. Have a neighbor or a close friend check to pick up your mail and then ask them to drop by at different times of the day. The more activity burglars see, the less likely they are to target your house. Leaving the garage door up to display a car in the garage is also a great deterrent, but only if there's a car there. You know, most people close their garage doors when they're away, so leaving one up does cast some doubt in most burglars' minds as to whether or not you're at home. Um, <clears throat> but you might also move a car out of the garage when you're away on vacation. Having a car sitting in the driveway gives the appearance that someone is visiting or that, you're ha that you have a house sitter. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's a good one. So, but here are a few other things that can deter uh, most burglars from for the most diligent homeowner. A few yeah, other things ha you can do. have a sandbox, tricycle, or maybe other toys in the yard. It's kind of funny. Yeah, um, that is. Next time I come over to your house, I expect to see a trike out there. Oh, yeah, we're going to have a sandbox. You're going to have a whole bunch of toys. You know, even if you don't have young kids, I mean, most burglars prefer to stay away from the homes that have young children. 
Many's homes are less likely to be vacant than others. A stay-at-home parent might be inside during working hours, and families with young kids are less likely to go out at night. So find a, a cheap used tricycle or sandbox at a garage sale uh, so you can leave it outside without worrying about it being stolen. And you can leave toys on your lawn <laughs> when you go on vacation. Uh, it's interesting. I never. I mean, it's really it's clever. Yeah, it um, is. You that, know, most, that, you'd have to be pretty diehard to do that. I think so. I don't think I'm going to see many tricycles out in front of people's homes. No, no kidding. Yeah, but it's a good idea. Yeah, another point he makes here is don't let the newspapers or the mail pile up when you're on vacation. You know, it makes it easy for burglars to see the homes vacant. Unfortunately, stopping delivery informs the delivery man and other strangers. Mm-hmm. We just talked about that a little bit. Um, other potential effective strategies: set up your, your home so that it convinces the burglars that he's found your valuables before he actually has. Hide your most precious possessions in an unlikely room to be a target, but put a few less important valuables in the location they're likely to look, such as, you know, in your master bedroom, in your underwear drawer. You know, these valuables might include a small stack of bills, a $20 bill on top, but $1 bills in between, a few credit cards that have expired or been canceled, um, a broken but impressive-looking camera, some costume jewelry, other precious things like that that just look like they're precious. Um, interesting, interesting cool. ideas. Like a Clemson hat, maybe. That well, that Carolina, you know, uh, <laughs> trophy or something. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. We don't have any of those, thank you. No, no, that's right. Not many. <laughs> that's for sure. All right, good topic. But that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this has to do with um, savings bonds. So my parents have given my kids savings bonds all of their lives. Should I cash them in and invest them? And Generally, the answer is yes, um, just because they're not earning anything in savings not bonds. Not in today's but, world. But I, I run across people um, that have received savings bonds, and it's it's uh, sentimental. Um, yeah. And um, they they don't feel comfortable cashing them in. So if you're if that's the reason, then you know it's probably not going to make that huge of a difference, depending on the amount. But if you want to earn more return, it's I mean, likely it's, to do better somewhere else. I mean, it's usually only a few hundred dollars, if that. You know, right? Most people have in savings, but most people have thousands of dollars in savings bonds. Um, but you know, I think our kids might have a couple of them that were bought mm-hmm. like in the early '90s, so yep. they might be paying five or six percent. But yeah, in general, and they were bought in the last ten years. They're paying very Nothing. little. Yeah, very little. So they pay interest for thirty years. Um, but you can go to your bank, cash those in, mm-hmm. and turn them into real money, and then invest them in a, in a mutual fund. It'd be a lot That's better right. idea. We think so. Good question of the week, though. All right, that leads up to our next topic, and that is the 401k loan mythbusters. Okay, so this is uh, this is getting pretty detailed. This is from Morningstar. Christine Benz is a writer. Uh, pretty interesting, Steve. I mean, the topic of 401k loans um, seems to ignite divergent, surprisingly, and uh, certainly passionate responses from finance experts and investors and that uh, the end of one spectrum is those who say 401k loans should be marked with a skull and crossbones that would probably be dave ramsey yeah right? and, that's right. and the money doctors as well we're right in that camp. we're not yeah we're not big fans of this <clears throat> nope nope and uh some investors uh who take out loans seriously they can jeopardize their retirement security there's some other people uh that believe 401k loans are a valuable tool for achieving financial goals before retirement so you know, it's interesting. This uh, She goes on to say she can see uh, valid points on both camps. Um, as 401k naysayers, quick to point out, it's never ideal to raid your retirement fund prematurely 
Doing so can certainly deprive your retirement assets from some valuable compounding. But as 401k loan proponents note, um, you know, that 401k loans can easily beat the cost forms of financing other, you know, other ways, right? Going out and getting a loan and so forth. But um, so, Steve, there's a lot of um, back and forth on this. Um, You know, we'll kind of get into the bottom line here, but taking 401k loans out is a risky proposition. Yeah, I I think it's a very risky proposition. I mean, she comes across as a little bit positive on it here with these myths, but um, and there, there is certainly some truth to these. So, I mean, myth number one here she points out is that 401k loans never make sense. Um, never ever make sense. I mean, some pundits view the issue as black and white. 401k loans are a financial don't right up there with taking a payday loan or carrying a balance on a credit card. And, you know, while they agree that 401k loans or any form of financing are inappropriate for anything but the basic needs, um, they list paying for a home, funding higher education, reducing crippling credit card debt, for example, um, but if there's not a real need there, taking a 401k loan is much preferable to resorting to other forms of financing. It may be better than, say, tapping home equity loan or a line of credit. Uh, the reason is that even though you'll own interest on the 401k loan, you're paying it back into your own account rather than to a bank. In contrast with credit card or home equity debt, um, you know, that interest is gone. Right. And mm-hmm. and also um, interest on home interest, <clears throat> home equity is usually tax deductible, which isn't the case with 401k interest. But, you know, make no mistake, 401k loan interest comes out of your own coffers and it's still better than surrendering it altogether to a third party. So with that point, I agree with it. But, you know, there are some downsides to 401k oh, no loans that, you know, I mean, they're 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 collateralized by your retirement. Yeah, that's right. So, um, I, I mean, I, to me, it's a black and white issue for most cases. I, I don't see, you know, Dave Ramsey basically says don't pull it out unless you're going to go bankrupt, and I, I kind of in his camp on that. Myth number two is 401K loans can be a wash or even a win from a financial return perspective relative to leaving your money in the 401K account. So if you're taking a 401K loan to pay off high-interest credit card debt, the loan will also, almost certainly be a winning move versus continuing to carry a balance on the credit card. So as an example, she goes on to say you're paying 10% interest rate on your credit card, but the 401k loan interest is 4%. So not only are you paying that interest to yourself on the loan, but it's also at a lower rate. Um, so she's saying it's a fi- uh, wise financial move all around. I would argue that you go pay off a credit card, you're not changing your behavior. Right. right? I mean, that's right. one of the risk of... That's um, the problem. You know, is, you're, you're using the 401k <laughs> loan as another stopgap measure. Mm-hmm. And you're not changing. It's not addressing what, the problem. You're not changing what got you in the shape. So most of the time when we see people take 401k loans, it it doesn't end well. You That's know, right. Usually it doesn't get paid back. They stop their their contribution. They start missing their match into their 401k, and before you know it, they're 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 you know they tra- they're changing jobs, and they have to to declare it as a withdrawal with a 10% penalty. Yeah, that's right. Um, so 401k loan proponents uh, who suggest that taking a loan can beat keeping the money invested is is probably probably not true. I mean, true, the interest you owe yourself will be positive, whereas long-term assets like stocks can lose money at various points in time. But the interest you pay yourself on your 401k loan comes out of your own pocket, and it consists of dollars that you've already paid taxes on. 
that, so that, then that is a good point, and that leads us up to the next point where they're going to talk about, you know, the, the myth about taxes. Um, the myth is that you'll pay taxes twice on your, your loan. Um, while that is not true, you're not paying it twice because you got the money out tax-free mm -hmm. in the form of loan proceeds. Now you're going to pay it back with the, after -tax, the same after-tax money. So you're not paying the money, you're not paying tax on it twice, but you are paying taxes twice on the interest. Because mm -hmm. the interest you have to pay yourself is after-tax money. Later, it will come out in the That's form right. of taxable income. So you are double-taxed on the interest on a 401k loan, which I think is a big negative. Yeah, and that. some people take out loans that are thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, and that interest is going to be significant over a five-year period. So yeah. you're talking about some real money when you when you get into that piece of it. Um, myth number four here, Steve, uh, this is, gets a little complicated as we go through this, but, but myth number four is that you'll have to rob a bank or sell your house if you have a 401k loan and lose your job. Right. Uh, yeah, and I don't know that that's, that's so much of a myth, honestly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, opponents of the 401k loans uh, quite correctly assert that the biggest risk of such a loan is losing your job. And in that instance, the borrower will have to set up uh, a period of time, usually 60 days, to pay back the money. That's a scary thought, given that many people aren't feeling especially flush when they, with money when they lose their job, and they probably aren't flush with the money. And it should also be a huge disincentive to take a 401k loan unless you have a strong sense that your company and your position within it is extremely stable and... Uh, you have a secret stash of cash somewhere, <laughs> or you have a secret stash of cash, in which case, why are you taking the Probably not taking loan it right. in the first place? Right. I mean, I would say that's a real risk. You know, if you lose your job, then... Uh, yeah, you're, you're probably not going to want to pay back that loan. You're not even if you have the money because you're going to need the liquidity to make mm -hmm. ends meet. So you're you're probably going to end up defaulting on the loan. Right. And uh, it's just not going to be pretty. It's a 10% penalty. There's, That's right. There's all that that goes with it. It's worth bearing in mind that some, some plans do give 401k borrowers additional time to pay back in case of a job loss. And while it would be ideal for the 401k borrower who has lost a job to pay the money back within the preset time limit, in a worst-case scenario, it's not as though you have to come up with the actual funds to repay the loan. Um, you wouldn't have to sell your house, for example, but you'd still have, like you said, the 10% early distribution penalty as well as, well as ordinary income tax, and that's really a terrible consequence, um, but it's not as though the 401k loan has to be you know, paid back, but you are impacting your future. Um, and that's, that's what I think it's this article is missing a little bit is, you know, if you if you're if you're tapping your 401k to pay current bills, expenses, and so forth, you're robbing your retirement. Exactly. Boils down to. And keep in mind that you know if you're in if you're in financial distress, you're in dire straits here, and you have a bunch of credit card debt, and you go and you cash out your 401k in the sense that you take a big loan against it to pay off those credit cards. You've just taken an unsecured debt and you've paid it off with a secured debt, mm -hmm. meaning yeah. that you know now it is definitely going to cost you money. There, there's no bankruptcy. There's nothing else that's going to save you from a 401k loan. The money is gone, and you will pay it back, and you will pay a 10% penalty on it if you default, bankruptcy or not. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, I mean, maybe if you're up against that kind of situation and you just can't make the debt, bankruptcy might be a better situation because – 
then at least your 401k is safe. Mm-hmm. You know, the, in a bankruptcy proceeding, they can't go into your 401k plan. That's right. You have so, some protection. So you've just taken your safety net and you, you've, you've ripped a hole in it. Yes. When it comes leaking. to, uh, right, you know, it comes to paying off your credit cards. So just keep that in mind. Um, it's a great topic, though. You know, yeah, it's stay very, away from 401k. Very loans. important topic, but yeah. we still say stay away from them. They're <clears throat> evil. Yeah, terrible. Bad. <laughs> All right. That leads us up here. And we're going to finish on the prescription of the week. Yeah, this has to do with life insurance. And uh, just periodically look at your life insurance. Um, 25-year-old college grad making you know $40,000 a year with no kids. You know, you can get a you know four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollar policy. Fast forward fifteen years, you know, forty years old, making a hundred thousand. Four hundred is not enough for that family. Um, you know, they may have a couple of kids at that point. Mortgage. Um, they're probably going to need to uh, to upgrade that. Maybe get another policy. Um, a lot of times we see um, policies um, that are. Uh, with a company, and you may want to go right. and get something on the outside. So you just got to reevaluate it. So you don't have a financial advisor uh, that you're working with. Um, you know, you can certainly reach out to us. We'll help you with that. But talk to someone. Do some evaluation of life insurance. Yeah, take a good look at life insurance. You need to evaluate that every few years. And, uh, you know, there are rules, rules of thumb out there, six to ten times your earnings. However, we think it's much better to, to sit down with somebody to look at your whole situation and figure out what you really need to support your survivors if something happens to you because um, it can be drastically different from that. Um, it, gross, it really depends on, you know, how much income you have that the family is dependent on, how much your survivors can make without mm-hmm. you, what are the income sources are there, how much do you have in your 401K. Yeah, debt levels. Is there inheritance, <clears throat> debt levels, there are children involved. There, you know, there's a lot of complicated It, can get, it can get complicated. It really can. And so, but we would love to see you, you know, get a good term policy that adequately covers you all the way up to retirement until your other assets kick in and Social Security and pensions that will pick up the remainder of your life. Yep. So, uh, great topic, though. So, do reevaluate your insurance coverage. Okay, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday from uh, on our podcast. podcast right? Up for every Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever. Picked up. It's yeah, right there on MoneyMD.net, um, where you can hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, MoneyMD.net. Email us your questions. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at MoneyMD.net. Or give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Have a good one.